Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello, welcome to episode 59 of Broken Records. Sorry we're a little bit late. My name's Stephen Hill. Renfrey Deadman's here. Renfrey's not been very well. That's why this is a couple of days late. You feeling a bit better now, Renfrey? I feel so much better now. Thank you for asking, Steve. I know you're yeah. genuinely concerned. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm asking you how you're feeling. It's fine. You've been ill. We're allowed to be ill. Bonjour's um, ill as well. My cat's ill. Yeah, you're, yeah. Bonjour's got a nasty case of diarrhea. I'm happy to say... Shitting all over my bed, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to awesome. say that mine was just uh, a really bad, a bad cough. About two or three days ago, it was literally a Russian roulette 50-50 as to whether when I took a breath in... Would I then expel loads of coffee, cough juice? Not coffee juice, not like coffee, 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 cough juice, coffee, oh. coughness, you know, cough, cough. Yeah. Uh, it was, but and which didn't really seem very conducive to doing a podcast. So, uh, yes, apologies for the delay, but I can now speak without coughing up a lung. So that's good. Yeah. You, you, well, you sound better than the, the vocalist of the album that we're going to be talking about. <laughs> Even when you're on the phone to me and you could barely talk at all, I thought you sounded mm. better than him, to be honest. Uh, yeah. This is the, the podcast where we search for the worst album ever made in the history of music. We've We've got a few. We've got a few so far. It's not because of the bands that we hate. This isn't just a list of stuff that me and Renfrey hates. Although occasionally, beautiful serendipity comes into the world and we are forced to talk about a band who we genuinely do have very little time for. Mm. Um, And that is certainly the case this week. If you listen to Riot Act, our weekly alternative music podcast that we do, or if you've listened to pretty much anything i think say any of us either of us have ever done ever you probably know how we feel uh about the band we're going to be talking about but it is worth pointing out that all of these albums are here due to their critical standing your mm. suggestion the overall story of banality behind the record some kind of fan reaction some kind of fuck up in the process somewhere down the line today we are going to be talking about motley crew Generation Swine, the seventh studio album from the glam metal bastards, released on the 24th of June, 1997. The peak years for the glam metal scene, right? <laughs> no. Uh, before we do, before we go into that record, I'll run down the top 20 um, records that we have covered so far, or the worst 20, the flop 20, I should say. Start like this. The Truth Is by Theory of a Dead Man. Slick Dogs and Ponies by Louis XIV, The Cosmos Rocks by Queen and Paul Rogers, United Nations Sound by Richard Ashcroft, uh, Richard Ashcroft, not Richard Ashcroft, um, <laughs> Mr. Blobby, the album, I think that's why I fucked up Richard Ashcroft's name, because I just get excited about <laughs> talking about Blobby, um, Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, the original soundtrack, Owen Quigg with the Ogden Quigg, Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classic Volume 2, Towers of London's Blood, Sweat and Towers, Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice, Cut the Crap by The Clash, Corey Feldman's Angelic to the Core, the Shags, Philosophy of the World, Total Zanarchy by Little Zan, Blood on the Dance Floor's Bad Blood, Methods of Mayhem's self-titled debut album. Well, hey, what an accompanying 
piece to this that we're going to talk about mm. that is true symphonic orchestras concerto in true minor double wide bunkle cracker crazy hits by the crazy frog and still at number one i'm not a fan but the kids like it by broken side uh and unranked we have guns and roses chinese democracy which is always worth mentioning i think um so there you go some pretty bad records but do we have a contender remfrey do we have a contender because you and i hate motley crew <laughs> like let's just get this out of the way straight away we hate motley crew yeah there's we have been very very vocal about how motley crew are possibly our combined least favorite band in this podcast i think so and actually i went a little bit i was kind of it's an interesting thing to bring up definitely um i kind of i actually went back to dr feelgood for this as well so i've listened to two did you fucking horrendous albums uh for Mm. this week's show it's probably why i was ill i would imagine um and um i really do not understand like there's there's plenty of bands out there that i'm not a fan of but i understand the kids like him (laughs) but i understand the appeal for other people and motley Crue, i just don't really get it at all i think if i don't think i've ever heard a single note from motley Crue that i think is good i think everything they have done is a fucking abomination and i think they were kind of on the same level quality wise as your poisons and your warrants and like all that fucking i would awful... i would argue poison are a far better band than Motley do you think Crue, so okay be... i would say so yeah There's... like singles wise poison have got like five undeniably catchy singles in the same vein as like def leopard like i i got no beef with def leopard mm. right i got no beef with def leopard at all I mean, the last few, they're like all of those bands, like Kiss or Van Halen and Motley Crue. Like, you know, obviously in the 2000s, they put their crap albums out. Yeah, 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 whatever. But the greatest hits of Def Leppard, just like the greatest hits of Bon Jovi, the greatest hits of Kiss. Yeah. Um, the greatest hits of Van Halen, although I do, I would actually, there are a few really great Van Halen albums, I think. Um, I, I think that shit's great. Like, I think those kind of greatest hits, they're, they're really good. And Motley just- Crue... You, yeah, and Motley Crue, I just don't understand it. I mean, you just named Kiss there. So Kiss are a band who... I don't particularly like Kiss, but I'm not an idiot. There are there are certain songs and there are certain... I don't know. There, there are certain songs by Kiss where I go, well, okay, yeah, that is fairly undeniable. And I understand the appeal of Kiss, especially with all the makeup and the show. And, you know, I get, I get it. Motley Crue, I mean, you're probably right. I've not delved into the... I, I try to stay as far away from the Sunset Strip hair metal scene of the 80s as much as possible. But you're probably right. Poison maybe even are a better band than Motley Crue. And I think it's an absolutely classic case with Motley Crue of style over substance. The thing is, is you did have a band with Motley Crue who had four quite distinct personalities. They were kind of, in a weird Those... way, all frontmen. 
Yeah, Do those personalities, I mean? for those of you who, who don't know, would be a narcissistic version of David Vincent from Orbit Angel, Nikki Six on bass, uh, a drink-driving set of untuned bagpipes named Vince Neil on vocals, a giant venereal disease-riddled penis who, uh, when he sees women, sees punching bags, uh, named Tommy Lee uh, on drums, and that thing that presents Tales from the Crypt on guitar, Nick <laughs> Mars. So those are the four distinct personalities of Motley Crue, essentially. You've summed that up perfectly. And in Interestingly, uh, from that description, if you read between the lines, I mean, Mick Mars is the only person in Motley Crue who I sort of have a vague amount of respect for, I think, because Mick Mars genuinely seems enigmatic and interesting to me. Uh, I don't just think by, just by being old um, and not hitting people or well, killing them, basically not being a total cunt. Um, <laughs> I mean, and also he's like enigmatic. He is quite, he's he's actually like genuinely weird. Whereas like, I feel like the other three cosplay, not even weird, but just cosplay, just being fucking twats. I just, I just, yeah, absolutely despicable band who have so, added absolutely nothing to the creative pantheon. Okay. So what did you think of Dr. Feelgood just quickly? I just, I just, I think the songs are really weak like they're very instant for the most part i agree with you yeah i think there's quite i think there's a few i mean like i think kickstart my heart is so i bought motley sorry i've just jumped on you but i would say like much like i did with kind of all of those bands i'd kind of uh ignored you know anyone who was like oh they're before nirvana they're rubbish which i thought in my teens um in my sort of mid-20s i was like actually maybe i should go and investigate you know um Motley Crue and even me- like Megadeth, I paid no attention to in my teens really because of the old like hello me all yeah. that voice and stuff quite put me off. So you've got, like, you've got quite should... a big hurdle to get over. To yeah, get it's quite Megadeth a big with Dave Mustaine's yeah, yeah. voice to be fair. Um, and so I was like, oh, you know, I should go and kind of investigate all these bands that people say are like classics. It would have been the first time I went and properly checked out Exodus or Venom or Motley Crue or you know even even properly Led Zeppelin really. You know, when I properly went and really sat down and actually bought a bunch of Led Zeppelin albums and didn't just have my, like, listen to my dad's tapes in his car that he'd occasionally play or whatever. I remember buying Motley, Motley Crue's Greatest Hits and just being like, because for so many of it, I was like, man, I used to slag all this stuff off because I was like, oh, I like new metal and this is the, the past is rubbish and all this sort of thing. And I was like, well, actually, no, I'm I'm dead wrong on pretty much all of this stuff. Motley Crue was the one that I was like, no, this is crap. Yeah. This is crap. I think the the songs are, I mean, they have a sort of instantaneous quality to them in that, like, you know, there's a melody there and you, it's in your head, but not strictly in a good way, I don't think. I think they're, abs- I think, and I think the songs themselves are just really poorly constructed and just, it, it's just, just the same fucking bullshit over and over again with Motley Crue. I mean, I thought Dr. Feelgood... I'm stunned that that album is considered a classic in any way, shape or form. And that is generally considered, like, the pinnacle of Motley Crue's career, isn't it? Um, but yeah. I felt like I needed to go back to that stuff uh, almost to kind of remind myself of the Motley Crue sound a little bit because... This album is fairly different. Oh, very different. I mean, look, you know, 
the stuff that we've been talking about, Dr. Feelgood, Shout at the Devil, all the bands that I mentioned that go in conjunction with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, Ozzy, Kiss, whatever. They were massive. Their, their brand of, of paper-thin, pelvis-thrusting glam metal was perfect for the kind of Patrick Bateman generation, wasn't it? Like, that was when that shit was super popular, absolute, like you say, style over substance. But when the 90s rolled around, it's a very, very different thing. And Motley Crue are immediately in disarray, as are most of the bands mm. who are part of that glam metal scene. Most of them are in the shit. It just feels more like the shit for Motley Crue, I think, because they were like the biggest ones at that point, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? They were kind of like, they, they, were, the, they were the kings of the Sunset Strip. And the fall from grace is more pronounced when... You know, we've said it before, like, everyone slags off Metallica and whatever, and it's like, well, go and listen to, like, Exodus or Testament records from the 90s and tell me that, you know, they were staying true to thrash or whatever. I mean, all of these bands tried to go a bit grunge or or they just got fucking dropped and you never heard from them again they split up. So it wasn't like it was just Motley Crue who went to shit, but Motley Crue were one of the most, if not the most, high-profile band to, like, really suffer quite considerably in that period, I think. I think brilliant bands, though, and brilliant musicians um, can adapt um, at the end of the day. And if you're... It's funny how none of them from the glam metal scene did, isn't it? It's funny how none of them did. Not Weird a single, that, isn't it? solitary one of them managed to do... I suppose Def Leppard did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean actually, the other the other big one, if you even include them, and I, like, I'm at the point where I don't even include them at this point, but some people are going to be saying, well, Guns N' Roses. I mean, Guns N' Roses did actually managed to adapt i mean certainly use you the use your illusion albums as bloated and ott as they are, are are quite different to appetite and they 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 managed to progress and do different things you know yes that's true i mean 1991 same year as nevermind came out if we're calling that the kind of the boom for you know, early 92 is when really all of the the door you know the the door is locked and bolted to those kind of bands i mean guns Rose didn't actually really do anything during that period i mean as we discussed for two and a half hours recently <laughs> they disintegrated for a long time but i don't think it was anything i don't think it was down to them not having the creative juices to be able yeah. to do it it was down to other factors i think it's fair mm. to say. yeah that's fair so in the early 90s vince neil we're going to bin off like talking about motley Crue. what we should say though is although we both very much dislike motley Crue, we are trying to get i'm trying to i went into this completely as um what's the word as neutral as possible yes i tried and i attempted to do the same thing okay yeah attempted is definitely the word uh vince neil quit according to nikki six but according to vince neil he was sacked so the reasons it's not really clear um what exactly happened when vince neil quit motley crew in the early 90s they were burnt out um they had to react to grunge and alternative rock um they were annoyed that their singer had been kind of in jail for a little while after killing his mate and it had become a kind of tense situation they weren't supportive enough to him after he'd come out of jail these are all the stories that have been um do you, do you want to clarify around do you want to clarify the killing his mate thing just so that just in case people aren't aware of what you're talking about there uh vince neil um was involved in a fatal car collision uh while he was at the wheel with um a member of hanoi rocks razzle yeah. Um, and he was under that, under the influence of definitely yes. drink, maybe definitely drugs. Drink. I, I'm not. I'm, I can't remember if drugs was were involved or not. But like no. he, he was, he was 
office tits. He basically. was inebriated yes, at the will, yeah. and that person died, and he went to prison for a fairly scandalously low amount of time. Oh, it like it was like a month. I mean, the power the power back then, and like the that these kind of celebrity musicians whatever had <laughs> the fact that i don't i'm reluctant to even call them musicians um the the power that you know like it was just a completely different game back in the 80s and like there would be an absolutely uproarious outcry now i think well and i think he would and, serve and and or deck time. whichever one it was yeah, both of them yeah, the yeah, same yeah. one they're the same thing aren't they um he drunk drive just drove onto a fucking bollard or something didn't he and everyone was like bring back the death penalty for him yeah i mean certainly people like really freaked out about that i mean i I, you know i mean should should drink drink and drive absolutely (laughs) Um, but yeah but in that case like the the only thing that got hurt was a bollard uh and you know in this case the singer of hanoi rocks who's just yeah it's, it's just fucking it's a terrible awful thing and the fact that yeah. like that has just been allowed to i oh, it 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 drives me fucking bonkers but hey well we'll get into some mad shit about that later on as well mm. um so vince neil left and motley crew changed tact they got a bloke called john karabi in to record their self-titled 1994 album apparently something it really was... funny about the surname karabi <laughs> Yeah, I know. It is, it is. It trips off the tongue quite lovely, I think. It's like Krabby Pies from uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. You're eating my Krabby Pies. No, never mind. Don't know what that is. Well, so, no, look, lots of people listening do. That and gets, that's the that main gets thing, you back it? for all the office references, which I just uh, politely laugh along at and don't understand. So, SpongeBob. Uh, it's not what I was going to say. It's like got Idris Shelby in it, but it hasn't got Idris Shelby there. No, <laughs> just checking. Uh, I'm trying to work out who that guy is. Anyway, uh, I don't want to call back to last week's episode, which was don't just bring up basically callbacks from galore. <laughs> um, all right, good. Um, apparently, uh, Mortley Crew's 1994 self-titled album is darker than their previous work. I wouldn't know, to be honest. I haven't listened to that. It was seen as a commercial failure at the time, despite landing at number seven on the Billboard Top 200 in 1994. I mean, you know. I think that's you got got a new singer, your Motley Crew. Yeah. Super Unknown's just come out. The yeah. Downward Spiral's just come out. Take number seven and fucking run with it, lads. I, I mean, yeah. Given given the circumstances, I think number seven is pretty fucking good. Like like for a band who are clearly like yesterday's news, but mm. they kept trying to revive the corpse, didn't they? Of course they did. What, of Mick Mars? Um, uh, anyway, there are many reasons why that album wasn't considered, uh, considered a success, though. Some felt that it jumped on the alternative rock bandwagon a little bit too hard and too late. Um, some felt it missed, I've read this, it missed Vince Neil's particular vocal stylings. And that everything, uh, and some people just felt that every single thing that they ever did was just fucking rubbish. Uh, that, that, that's me. Actually, that's just what I think. Hello. Um, uh, and you as well. Yeah. Um, stung by the criticism of their 1994 self-titled album, Motley Crue fought back. They intended to make a hard rock album of past glories 
and actually recorded a couple of songs called The Year I Lived in a Day and La Dolce Vita with John Karabi and Bob Rock, their longtime collaborator. Karabi said the band was so excited about the new material that, and this is a quote, at the end of each day, we'd walk around the studio carrying our huge cocks in our hands because the music rocked so hard. Now, that is not how penis lengths works, is it? <laughs> that is not... There's no direct... I want to say this. I'm not a doctor, but there is no... Kids, if you're listening, there is no direct correlation between how well you can play the guitar and the length of your genitalia. Uh, no, I don't believe... I don't believe so. No. Mm. Um as much as uh, I'm sure a lot of people would like to pretend that that is the case, yeah. I, I don't. I don't believe it is. No, but I'm glad I found that quote, Renfrey, because mm. John Karabi was someone who I was like, well, I've not listened to the John Karabi material. I don't know much about John Karabi, but I read that quote and I was like, oh, good, good to know that he's a prick as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're keeping up their hundred percent record of solely being populated by fucking pricks. Precisely. Um, yeah. Yes. So uh, not all was well in the Motley Crue camp, though. They decided to try and stop the flop of their career by firing a bunch of people around them, including their manager, their accountant, and the producer Bob Rock, who I uh, just mentioned, super producer Bob Rock, Mm. who worked on the Black Album. Mm. He did Dr. Feelgood. I mean, you know, the only time Motley Crue have ever sounded... Do I want to say good? I'll tell you what, the production on Dr. Feelgood is great. I think, so, uh, so Bob Rock's production with Motley Crue's music makes sense. Motley mm-hmm. Crue, I mean, they said it themselves in the 80s. They'd probably still fucking say it now because they're so fucking clueless. But they said that basically uh, the entire point of what they were doing is like they were there's hard guitars for the guys and sweet melodies for the girls basically or something equally as eye-rollingly condescending and banal um but uh that that was generally the the premise and the idea and to get a producer like bob rock in who is really good at making a massive sort of metallic sound but that sounds clean and and you can hear everything and you know there's nothing raw about what bob rock does or anything like that and it whilst yeah if we're trying to look at it in a sort of objective sense and trying to put my biases my negative biases aside i think bob rock is a good he's probably the only person who can well not the only but he's the only person who can make them sound vaguely good at all i mean when, when you listen when you listen to too fast for love or shout the devil and then yeah, you listen to, to dr philwood uh, the, the 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 difference is pretty fucking stunning i would say i think this is and the I, thing. i'm gonna i'm going to give bob rock the credit for that I think this is the thing. Maybe this is partly what I mean when I say I go back to Dr. Feelgood and I just don't feel like it has any good songs. I don't think, in terms of songs and the quality of the songs and the songwriting, blah, 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 I don't think Dr. Feelgood is any better than uh, Shout at the Devil or Too Too Fast to Love, isn't it? Um, I don't think it is... I don't think there are better songs on that record. I just think the marriage of Bob Rock and Motley Crue actually works quite well bob rock works well for those songs because he knows how to bring Mm. out 
the best elements of them. There aren't many best elements of them, but if you're gonna if you're gonna go down that route, then Bob Rock is a good person to go with. You know, if you're gonna polish a turd, yes, exactly. Bob Rock has got a big turd polishing bottle of mr sheen bob and he yes. sprays all over that turd he's got that turd. he's got the fucking elbow grease on that turd mm-hmm. he's polished the shit out of that turd he's polished the shit out that of that is that a turd, spark yeah. like they're not many people say you can't polish a turd well i don't know if you creosote it and then let it harden in a clay oven for a bit and then really fuck it you know like put a nice sort of sheen on it what um, crew's entire career is a polished turd I mean, of course yeah. you can polish. Well, it's not the, the early stuff is not even polished. Well, no, exactly. Yeah, Someone went true. to polish it, and they're just like, "Oh, it's on the side of my hand." <laughs> uh, it's all stinky. I've got a bit of sweet corn under my fingernail. Ooh. Grim. Um, Ooh, really painted that picture. I know. I had to. Um, so yeah, but I mean, yeah, good idea though, isn't it? To sack the only person who's made your band sound bearable in your entire career. That will sort everything out. <laughs> I, 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 what an idiot! It's one of the most baffling parts of this entire story i think sacking like bob rock had just well no it was six years previous he'd come off the black album but like bob rock is a very even like, i i actually have a, you know i'm not like i don't think he's like the best producer ever or anything like that but if you want a certain style of sound he is brilliant at getting that but i guess motley crew didn't want that style of sound did they they wanted the exact opposite they wanted it to be mm. sort of grungy and raw well, and that they said there are two things they said he was too expensive and he was overproducing the albums now the first bit rings a bit more true than the second bit i would say Very yes motley so, crew yeah. you may be spunked a load of your money on lawyers to get vince neil out of prison and cocaine and hookers and stupid shit right um so you maybe didn't have quite as much money in 1995 to be playing with as you did in the 80s but overproducing your records i mean that's not you could do with a little bit of tweaking lads mm. like uh, you you need a bit of tweaking and it doesn't make sense but it's all about who they re- replace him with him really isn't it that's the main seeing who they replace him with replace him with somebody really good mm. uh they replaced him with tommy lee and nikki six um got production credits on the record so they produced they were like this guy doesn't know what he's doing the guy who made the black album and our biggest album and albums by the cult no he's an idiot get rid of him too expensive doesn't know what he's doing mm. we'll do it mm. <laughs> with our <laughs> with our great like zero fucking experience at actually producing a, a proper album um but the production chair gig was given to a gentleman called scott humphrey mm. who has gone on to co-produce not produce but co-produce albums by rob zombie monster magnet and andrew wk he also co-produced the methods of mayhem albums in the future all right uh, wicked nice but at this point he had just done some keyboards and mixing with the likes of metallica the cult Julian Lennon. So he's basically Bob Rock's bitch. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like the bloke that Bob Rock pushes around and makes, go and make me some coffee. Yeah. Get get me a strawberry flavoured something. The majority. And he went, all right, move that mic away from the drum, slightly further away from the drum. 
Are you all right, Bob? Yeah. And they're like, Motley Crue are like, that guy. <laughs> that guy there. That's the guy we want. That guy. The guy making the porridge for Bob Rock <laughs> for his breakfast, cutting up the banana for him. He's the, he's the real brain to be on the operation. You fucking idiots. You fucking idiots. What are you thinking? It's, it's insane. The majority of his credits, of Scott Humphrey's credits, prior to this record seem to be keyboards and programming for other bands in terms of production credits um i found three production credits that he'd done prior to this record one was scold the debut album by scold i think or the self-titled yeah. <laughs> the debut the scold the debut album by scold yeah we all know scold. I'm, I'm saying assuming. scold like like we all know that is no one knows it no, no I, don't, I don't know no i that's why i was saying I, I assume it's that i don't know um the barbed wire soundtrack interestingly there's a mini oh. mini connection there pamela uh anderson and tommy awesome. lee um and smash hits 94 which i'm which appears to be a compilation that was uh, uh put out via the smash hits uh, right. magazine so you didn't produce any of those songs on that no 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 Ex- exactly exactly so he didn't produce any of the songs on smash it's 94 he just made it sound like it right. all works as a compilation barbed yeah. wire ost might even be the same same deal deal yeah. potentially well, i don't know he he also uh he's also credited on the melvin's album stoner witch oh Did right no I didn't yeah uh he's he's credited with door opening and pencil sharpening Oh, <laughs> beat that prince fucking hell what a renaissance man what a genius why wow, he can do it all he can sequence songs that are already made and he can open doors and sharpen pencils and sharpen wow <laughs> wow what a guy um so yes yeah, scott humphreys uh seemingly not that good. <laughs> I mean, to say. I mean, well, I don't, we don't know. Do we, we don't really, really know. Like he's just, he's just, he had done very little actual producing up to this point, or he had, or let's let's, he had very few production credits up to this point. So I don't know what they saw in him. In him, maybe they just got on with him. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think the point that we're trying to get to is the production on this record. Well, is it too early to go into it? It's not good, is it? It's not good. No, it's 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 not good. It's not good. It's not good. Um, the label also wanted to get in on the old sacking act by ditching John Karabi. Uh, the CEO of Warner, Doug Morris, sat down with the band and told them that he didn't believe Karabi was a star and suggested that they get back with Vince Neil. Neither Nicky Six nor Tommy Lee wanted to do that, and Vince Neil was trying his hand at a solo career. <laughs> Oh dear! And was also now this this isn't funny. Was dealing with the death of his young daughter, which isn't actually very nice at all. And if you've seen the dirt, that is probably the one moment where you go, "Oh, that's pretty." Where you actually feel a bit of it for him, or you would do if the person playing Vince Neil was capable of <laughs> acting uh, above a kind of D minus GCSE standard. But exactly, like theoretically, you know. Um, so the in- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> completely uh, graded him. I think D minus is fair, though. I think probably about right. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so the initial sessions for the record began in 1996 and Nicky Six and Scott Humphreys did not get on with each other at all. Both of them were trying to control the sessions. Um, Mick Mars fell out with uh, with Humphreys as well to the point that he was hardly present at all during the recording. He'd just kind of do his shit and go away. Um, even Scott more Humphreys baffling said, then. Even more baffling. I, 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 just, I just posited that maybe they just really got on and... No, no, quite, quite, <laughs> apparently quite not. Uh, Humphrey said Nicky didn't like to have his lyrics scrutinised. <laughs> oh dear, Nicky, don't listen to this then. Um, Humphrey <laughs> said uh, there was this line in the song called "Glitter" that went, "Let's make a baby inside of you," oh. and I was like, "There's no way you can put this line on the record." It was ridiculous, and he basically tried to say that it was the best thing that he'd ever written. And you know, I've interviewed Nicky Six before, and he does seem like the sort of person who has that high opinion of himself like he was actually very nice when i interviewed him he was very very nice but he was saying things like he was talking about motley crew and saying about the the things they'd done and it was like he'd invented oxygen yes you know i mean it was like i was like you know you're motley crew don't you mate do you know you're motley crew yeah do you know you're not you're not Stanley Kubrick. You do know that, don't you? But he didn't seem to know that. He didn't seem to realise. I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if he's ever listened back to anything he's ever done in his life. Because <laughs> he's talking about it like, you know, like it's the Sopranos or something. Do you know what I mean? He's talking about it like it's the fucking, like he's Jackson Pollock. Like, no, mate, you're in Motley Crue. Yeah. I hate to break it to you. Um, anyway, the delusions of grandeur of that unbelievable. band are unbefuckingly. Uh, that's part of the unbelievable thing, mate. Karabi was still facing endless speculation uh, in his role in the band uh, from the interfering label, and Scott Humphreys would often just change parts of the songs that he had learnt and recorded and rehearsed, and he'd come in the next day and the songs would be changed completely without any knowledge of him. Uh, having that at all um he, he <laughs> said nicky would jump this is how when they were recording with uh john karabi this is what john karabi said nicky would jump on the intercom and say crab that's a nice nickname <laughs> i'm kind of thinking of an old bowie's sisters of mercy kind of vibe then scott would hit the button and add but with a little cheap trick nine inch nails kind of thing very similar bands aren't they yeah. nine inch nails and cheap trick very similar. finally tommy lee would chime in yeah but let's make it lush like oasis so i start trying to figure this out and then tommy would interrupt again and say oh yeah dude i forgot to add the track's got to be heavy like pantera so if you've ever wanted motley crew to sound like david bowie sisters of mercy cheap trick nine inch nails oasis and pantera all at the same time again that to me feels slightly beyond the capability of motley crew yeah, but I mean, I mean, that's so. Or beyond. anyone. Weirdly, now that you say that, I, I can sort like I can sort of see that that it makes sense having heard the album that that is what they were going for. But you know, they should have just gone, guys. Do you think we can make a space hog B side? Yes. <laughs> 12 times and they go yeah probably we can do that great okay well if we can do that perfect yeah um, exactly that that is it, far that is reaching far 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 beyond their capabilities far beyond yeah um in the end john karabifo's position was untenable and he quit the band the band's new manager alan kovac had a meeting with vince neil whilst karabi was still in the band and he had tried to persuade him to come back numerous times vince neil did obviously did not want to do this still um but um 
they uh, they split up and um, John Karabi left. Motley Crue split up. They never made any other records. They're all dead and everyone's even forgotten they've existed. Thanks for listening, everyone. Imagine if that was the case. Oh, I'd love that, wouldn't you? You've gone wouldn't into you your that? fantasy dreams. I know, again. I did. I was like, oh, can you imagine if Vince Neil just went, no, nah, I don't want to do it. And John Karabi left and they went, oh, fuck this. Let's You've gone into your happy video. place where yeah. uh, Motley Crue are dead. and That's the ultimate universe that I want to live in. Everyone just forgets <laughs> Motley Crue ever existed. Yeah. And that, that didn't happen, obviously. No, Neil um, actually decided to meet up with the other members of the band and come back into the fold to finish off the rest of the record. So as such, what we hear on Generation Swine is Vince Neil, who, let's remember, can't sing his own vocal lines competently in any way at all, singing songs written by John Karabi for John Karabi's voice. Ugh. Now, I've not... Um heard john karabi sing but i am guessing that he has a lower register than vince neil normally sings in from having heard because a lot of this album vince neil appears to be singing in a register which is not comfortable to his own Mm. um (laughs) i don't know what register vince neil would sound comfortable in no i mean i'm sure there's like one note that he can hit and he would just have to just uh, (laughs) like a sort of like a low but like a like a sort of turned on radiator or something that is vince neil's (laughs) (laughs) just the radiator making clicking sounds (laughs) yeah um no yeah you're right and vince neil himself has actually said that he quit five or six times during the recording didn't want to sing the songs um, which is understandable because I, I don't want him to sing these songs. No, no, no. It um, I don't think anyone does in this particular <laughs> I case. I don't do. think anyone wants him to sing the fucking songs. No, no. Uh, it was also the first Motley Crue album to feature lead vocals from Nikki Six and Tommy Lee as well. Which, I mean, I've got to say, Renfrey, my main problem with Motley Crue, not enough singing drummers. <laughs> that was my, my, all the shit I talk about Motley Crue is because I, I want the drummer to sing more. That's definitely what I want. That's always the main problem with Motley Crue, isn't it? Yes, quite. If only the drum, no, you know, all the shit we talk about Motley Crue is purely because I want Tommy Lee on lead vocals. That's definitely what I want. You mad, you mad, you mad idiots. They, like, so much wrong. Imagine getting this much wrong all the time. All you do is get stuff wrong. It's like if you're a bus driver... And you went to work and you got behind the wheel of your bus and someone came and said, hello, um, to, to tap your Oyster card. And you just cut their hand off and you got out of the bus. <laughs> and shit, you shit on the bus, you set fire to it and then you walked off. And that, that is like, Sounds that like is something how Motley, would do. <laughs> like Motley Crue approached their career with the same level of like, what are you doing as that? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're saving, we're saving this, aren't we? But um, yeah. Imagine how bad you think Tommy Lee on lead vocals is. And, or Methods of Mayhem. Or Methods of Mayhem. Example. And then it's about ten times worse than that. But we'll, like we'll get Captain, to that later. It's like Captain Planet. You know, in... <laughs> As in Captain Planet, he's a hero, yeah. got a it's like you down just, to zero. You've got that one ring and it's... Like a ring of sh- the ring is shit, and you manage like eight of them together and combined they make Bra- the song Brandon. But we will get to Brandon in a little bit. The Tommy Lee song, um, Motley Crue's classic lineup 
quote-unquote classic lineup, made their return to the 1997 American Music Awards, sharing the stage with Metallica, Nas, Jewel, Bush, Little Richard, Rod Stewart, New Edition, Brooks and Dunn, Tony Braxton, Leanne Rimes, and Keith Sweat. Oh, oh Motley Crue and Keith Sweat in the same room. Oh, um, interesting thing about interesting thing about that award show seems to be uh, only three nominees in every category, which is bit harsh you only nominate three people it's you know um smashing pumpkins and stone temple pilots were both nominated in the hard rock and alternative category which seems quite odd because um bush are in the alternative music category metallica won hard rock so you could literally only think of four rock bands in 1997 you've got two categories <laughs> best alternative and best hard rock and only four bands yeah, it's beyond of the, of the of the meager six nominations. You've got a meager six nominations to give out in those two categories, yeah. and you you can only think of four bands: Metallica, Stone Temple Pilots, Bush, and Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, what the fuck in 1997? Corn, Deftones, Marilyn Manson, Rage Against the Machine, Green Day, Offspring, Rancid. Uh, fucking, I mean, so many: Soundgarden, Faith No More. There are so many bands. Megadeth, mm-hmm. Slayer. There are so many bands. So many bands in, in, that, in that period. Pantera. There are so many bands. Ramstein, Hole, Pearl Jam. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I could fucking be here for ages. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, already... I'm enjoying it. Naming bands from the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Nine, Nine Inch Nails. I mean, it is my fucking forte. It? <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. I would love to go to people at the American Music Awards from 1997 and just name alternative and hard rock bands in their face from the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> Until I get to Three Colours Red. Three Colours Red. <laughs> honey, honey Crack. That'll make Ever, them change their minds, I'm sure. Everclear, Silverchair. Yeah. She yeah. had 28 days. The 90s. They were good. Uh, anyway, still, I watched Motley Crue um, <laughs> doing Shout at the Devil at the American Music Awards. It's not good, mate. It's not good. Can't imagine it is. No. Mick, Ma- Mick Mars is dressed as Richie Manick from the Holy Bible. They're like all, all, all the corpse that they never found. <laughs> um, Vince Neil is thinner than he is now, but he still can't sing like he can't now. No. Tommy Lee spends the whole thing gurning, topless. Uh, Nikki Six looks like your kind of your aunt at a Hindu. Um, <laughs> he's got that like middle-aged woman on Coronation Street hair. Nikki Six. He does look like what, like a perm. No, he's got that like. Uh, he's got that like. You know that like you know when women get to a certain age and they cut their hair short. Yeah. Why do they do? It? They all do it. They all do it. They cut their hair short. They get to like 60 odd and they cut their hair short and they get like a blue rinse. Do you know what I mean? Like old woman, short hair. They all do it. And you're like, it looks bad, ladies. Mm. Like It's not a good look. It's not a good look. And I think, you know, you, there's ways in which you can style out your later years without resorting to, you know, having the same haircuts as Nikki Six. <laughs> there are ways you've, to do it. You've kind of summed up the entire problem with... Uh, this band and this record there are ways to grow old gracefully in some sense i mean <laughs> yeah. the, the the word grace and motley crew in the same sentence is fucking ridiculous but you know there are there are ways to uh adapt 
and uh, and do really good material as your career goes on. But this is not the way to do that. Uh, but that's the uh, Nikki Six looks like a, like a contestant on Blind Date from sort of 1992. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I've i just brought it up now. Vince Neil actually looks pretty good. I'm so used to seeing him. Oh, you've got it on. <laughs> oh, I've just seen the haircut. Yes. Oh, goodness me. Um, she looks like—is it Mo from EastEnders? That's what—that's what he looks like. He looks like Mo from East, EastEnders. He, he does. He looks like he's about to buy to, to buy Take a Break magazine and go, <laughs> and go down the coffee morning to meet the girls. <laughs> he really does. Yeah. Yeah. My God. He looks like his name's like Gwendolyn or something. You know? Oh, oh, hello, Gwen. He could. You put a fucking handbag on Vince Neil, and he could definitely go down the coffee morning and sit with the girls and have a couple of have a chat have a cup of tea and a chat and a couple of biscuits oh not for me sandra oh no oh here's nikki nikki's go- all right nikki what are you doing oh well i've had a great day i tell you just gone and played the american music awards <laughs> oh have you all sit down have a kit kat oh i don't mind if i do he is honestly got like middle-aged woman hair yes yes he re- really anyway. does yeah uh, some ticker tape comes down at the end and only goes on one half of the audience. It's rubbish. It's just a rubbish, a rubbish thing. It, Motley Crue in 1997. Rubbish. There is, uh, the there first... is a, just looking at this material now as well, there is an awful lot of the camera moving around. Like kind so you of, don't really so get they, to see them. Well, <laughs> partly that, but I think the main reason why the camera is just like refuses to stay still at any point is because... They're just trying to inject some sort of excitement into it because the band aren't able to do that themselves. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it looks fucking rubbish. Yeah. The first single from the album came out on the 8th of May, 1997. Larry Flint is in the video. It's trying to be a kind of grungy Marilyn Manson, um, cracked footage style uh, with the band playing in a weird-looking cage thing, which is... Um, uh, really weird because the cage they're playing in is actually underneath a girl's skirt so you know um yeah uh, i remember sitting on super rock and not quite knowing what to think because i hadn't really listened to motley crew ever i just remember going this is sort of like the video is like beautiful people meets grind by alice in chains vince nils dyed his hair red trying to be like kurt cobain uh, it's weird as fuck it's just weird as fuck um that sounds that sounds fucking dreadful. It's not great. And then at the end, Larry Flint's just sat like fucking jigsaw from Saw, <laughs> like polishing, polishing a fucking, polishing a fucking leg, like an amputated leg, just like that's, rubbing a sort of. That's uh, not a euphemism, uh, or is it a euphemism? No, no, it's not. Right. He's got he's polishing a, a leg, a, okay. a prosthetic leg. He's polishing a prosthetic leg. Okay, so it's not. Oh, I'm just going to pop upstairs to polish my prosthetic leg. No. No, it's not that. Okay. Mm. Hmm? I'd just come out and say I'm having a wank. I wouldn't beat around the bush like that, Renfrey. I'd just let you know what I was up to. I'm not ashamed Good. to uh, polish my no, prosthetic you, leg. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be ashamed. It's perfectly no. natural. Um, I mean, you wouldn't want to do it to this. I felt like my dick is sort of hid behind my pancreas watching this fucking <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking awful it's honestly about as sexy as like the fucking green cross code man it's not 
It's not sexy at all. It's just stupid. Um, the song went to number 10 on the Billboard Top Rock Tracks, but did very little to generate much interest in the record. So um, the band, to help the promotion of the record... Oh, Bonjour's here. Somebody on the YouTube was like, where's Bonjour? She's not really got enough room to get up here. Right. So pick her up. And George, shall I give her a little... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go oh, on. She's, oh, she's gone now. Oh, and she also, she's... She's... Uh, yeah, I don't think she... Actually, I'm going to leave her because uh, I'm going to leave her. Anyway, um, with very little interest in the band uh, at that period, Motley Crue enlisted the help of Skeleton's Beverages in Pasadena, California to help them. They made a soft drink called Motley Brew. Now, the intention of this drink was to make a drink that turned your piss green, which I don't know about you, Renfrey. If I bought a drink... It was branded with a band's name on it, and it turned my piss green. My first thought wouldn't immediately be, "Wow, look how green my piss is! I must go and buy this band's new album." Like, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. So I don't know what Motley Crue. Again, I don't know what Motley Crue were thinking. Uh, no, that's uh, weird. Maybe they really wanted weird. their maybe they wanted their fans to have the same colour piss as them after all the sexually transmitted diseases that they had. I don't know. It's a good point. It may well be that. Yeah, it may well be that. You can be just like Motley Crue as well, but without the money and the sex and the being allowed to do whatever you want. But you and can have the, the same colour piss as us, and the, you know, the look like you've got STDs. Um, but anyway, yeah. So why they would did you that. want to do that? I don't That's know. So I weird. Know. <laughs> look at my green wee. Ha 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 ha. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Uh, now let's go and listen to a shit version of the Stone Temple Pilots by some washed up old cunts. No. It feels um, like something the Bloodhound Gang would do. It is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or like, it yeah, feels more. It does. I mean, it feels. Uh, just what a fucking nonsense piece of shite. Anyway, let's get over to some reviews. Rolling Stone gave the album two stars, saying the band tried to fuse cornball glam metal techniques with cutting edge production <laughs> and in grinding industrial effects. <laughs> But instead of a new direction that would defy expectations, the album uh, provided more schizophrenia than Wesley Willis. Um, I don't know who Wesley Willis is. Yeah, no, that's a reference I don't get. But I'm sure it's brilliantly. Anyone? Yeah, I'm sure it's good. Metal Forces gave it 6 out of 10. Okay. Saying tracks such as Let Us Pray and confessions leave me cold swamped by those god-awful fuzzy dynamics time and time again electronica and alternative are not words i'd associate with motley Crue, and i hope i never have to use those words again in reviewing one of their albums generation swine really is a black sheep of the crew family making even the 1994 self-titled opus look brilliant bloody hell um wow uh, all music gave it two stars saying it doesn't work at all because Motley Crue is tied down to their sleaze metal which wouldn't be a bad thing if they'd come up with catchy riffs instead they're simply recycling old ideas and sounds and while Neil does sound better than John Karabi the man who briefly replaced him it sounds like the band made the tracks for any singer at all as if his presence was just a coincidence at least that problem doesn't plague Brandon where Tommy Lee sings a shockingly mawkish tribute to his firstborn son consequently Generation Swine is nothing short of an embarrassment uh, Entertainment it, Weekly it, sorry just to jump in there if if Vince Neil genuinely sounds better than John Karabi that's wild it's wild isn't it I can't even begin to imagine what John Karabi must sound like. 
Is John Karabi just a whoopee cushion? <laughs> <laughs> like, meet our new singer. It's like, guys, that's all. Have you ever seen that, Limmy, that sketch with Limmy where he's yeah. like, oh, come meet my new girlfriend and it's his old man? Yes. And everyone's like, oh. Yes. And then they break up and he goes, oh, have you broken up with your girlfriend? He's like, yeah, it turns out he was just an old man. And they're like, yeah. But that's like, maybe John, maybe they're like, it's our new singer, John Karabi. And everyone's like, that's a, that's a whoopee cushion. Yeah, that's a whoopee cushion. Like, no, 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 it's a, He's a person. <laughs> he's swinging his big dick around. <laughs> Look, he's got an erection because of his own music. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. But yeah, that is that is worrying. Um, Entertainment Weekly gave it a B rating and said it was a display of highly burnished metal trumpeting the pleasures of drugs and nasty sex. I'd never want to meet the person. That sounds like Buffalo Bill from fucking Science of the Lambs like that review. <laughs> It's like, what is wrong with you, mate? What is wrong with you? He has to hammer his fucking cock down every single day just to be able to go out in polite society. Like, a kind of perverse, reprehensible, retrograde prick that would write that. Ugh. That is that is just an awful, awful thing to say about high, this record. High, highly burnished metal. I mean, the... the Pleasures of drugs and nasty sex is one thing, but highly burnished metal. No, no, what? no, 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 no. I'll tell you what. How's your metal foot? Oh, that is very highly burnished. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I couldn't find that many reviews for this record, to be honest. Um, I couldn't find the Kerrang one or the Metal Hammer one, although I'm sure I do have both of them somewhere. I think Kerrang gave it a 3K and was a bit like. Uh... Well, you know, big band, isn't it? Yeah, generous, but sure. Yeah. Uh, it ended the US Billboard Top 200 at number four. Fine. Huh. Uh, a week later, it was number 30. So it dropped like a fucking stone. Uh, it sold 80,500 copies on the first week. It has gone gold in the US, selling over 300,000 copies. It went top 10 in Japan and Canada at number nine and number 10, respectively. It reached... This is... Where I feel like standing up and being like, God save our gracious queen, God, <laughs> rule Britannia. It reached number 80 on the UK album charts. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Well done, us. We're, it's the, only, well the last done. thing that we can be proud of as a nation. <laughs> it really is. It's the last time anything good happened in Britain was that people didn't buy Generation Swine by Motley Crue. Those were the glory days. And then that was like just after Tony Blair had got in. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Paul was, Britannia. Yeah, New Labour and not buying Generation Swine. That's why everyone yeah. sees, yeah, 97 as yeah. the, the year of Britannia. Yeah. And then Princess Diana died and the dirt came out and it's all been downhill. <laughs> um, but anyway, enough of <laughs> enough of that. Renfrey, Generation Swine by Motley Crue. What do you think of it? Uh, well, we like to encourage bands to diversify and try new things and branch out and blah, blah, blah. But there are some bands who just can't. There are some bands who can do one thing, arguably. Okay. Motley Crue can't branch out. They can't even branch. And they can't exactly. Yeah, yeah. They can. They can barely even bruh. Um, they are just. Uh, I mean, anyway, let's not go into my feelings on Motley Crue. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to hold back so much. Leave uh, it. But they. Uh, 
sometimes those uh, approaches seem to, you know, you, you, you can create something where you're trying to um, uh, further further develop your sound and make it more interesting or, or, or whatever. And then there are times where you just look at bands and you go, well, you're jumping on a trend because that's what everyone's doing at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And this is such a blatant attempt to sound relevant in i mean i say in 1997 this album does sound like it's a good three or four years out of date in 1997 if it's it has that feel to it um it feels like a lot of the ideas that they are um completely ripping off were done far better three to four years previous um the first song for example find myself is not a million miles away from sex type thing by stone temple pilots i mean you it's very i mean it's, it's very similar stone, isn't Di- it? stone temple pilots are for me like exactly what the- i think they should have just fronted up and gone we heard tiny music yeah and yeah. we heard plus and we heard like plush and <laughs> we well, just but, went but e- even even tiny music it's more core like they they mm. like yeah it is yeah it's more the first record so i mean very brief uh stone temple pilots thing. the core was like the the song with uh, with the album with like a bunch of bangers on it but it was f- relatively straight ahead as far as that sort of stuff went and then with purple and particularly tiny music they started getting a little bit weirder and bringing in far more different influences but really i mean this sounds like they listened to core by stone temple pilots and then went let's try and do that and cause like a really good record i mean anyone who we, we've discussed in the past how stone temple pilots were really ridiculed really given a hard time by the press uh but in particular and i mean anyone who ab's this next to core and and if anyone thought generation swine was better then they need to have their ears completely and utterly I don't know, chopped off. Um, it, it, it it's such a blatant attempt to do that, and but really, it's what people who don't like grunge think grunge is. This album, mm. um, when people who don't like grunge complain about how the genre is just sad people and you know plaid shirts and corduroy moaning and blah blah blah, I I, I think it very seldom is that. But this this record sounds like what people who don't like grunge think grunge is. It's also weirdly because it's too late for grunge. Yeah. Like grunge is this is gone now, basically, isn't it? I mean, I know Creed and Nickelback would kind of become post grunge or whatever you want to call that fucking stuff, and would sort of bring it back. But this is certainly in a period where I think, you know, everybody had split up bar Pearl Jam from the big grunge or weren't doing anything i mean even centipede pilots like around this time they they go fucking you know they vanish pretty much don't they like uh, yeah because when they, did they... number four come out was that 98 or was it 98 98 yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe 98 99 but it's certainly around this time certainly, yeah. yeah they and they had to cancel their dates with kiss because wayland went into rehab oh uh, i didn't really oh, okay so and he also put out the because he put a solo album out not that long after this, I believe. Oh, it was that was bar... that the Kiss? T- yes, the twelve bar th- yeah, record. Anyway. Yeah, I know the one you mean. We don't want to talk about Stone Temple Pilots no, too no, much. No, 
well, very difficult it's not difficult to. not to. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so grunge is basically its lowest ebb. And also, you're probably a year, a year and a half away from where Motley Crue probably could have come back and been like, ah, bat your babies, Buck Cherry. I mean, I think this sounds like some fucking shite Buck Cherry song at the start, the, the Find Yourself, the first song. Sleeves metal guitar riff, and then it goes into the sort of Stone Temple Pilot isms. Mm. You know, him saying shit like, I'm a rock and roll disease. Mm. Like, that's. Rock and roll disaster. Yeah, you know, and there's a little kid at the end shouting, That's what I'm saying. And it's just weird. You've just been talking about drug pushing. Yeah. And all this shit. And you've got a little kid going, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, God. It's just. What are you on about? Odd. It's just weird. It doesn't work. It's rubbish. Afraid actually sounds better in the context of the record than it does on the on the, as a single. But again, it's just a Space Hog B side. You know, it's not as good as Space the one hit wonder Space Hog. It's not as good as like what they've done. Um, Flush sounds like Stone Temple, like th- that kind of Stone Temple Pilotsy Beatlesy thing they were doing on Tiny Music. It it's not Motley Crue's song, strong suit, and it actually. It didn't make me feel angry like some of their material. I listened to Motley Crue and I go, oh, shut up and fuck off, you fucking noxious wankers. It didn't feel like that, but it's just not a good song. And the yeah. title track title I, track is a more traditionally minded Motley Crue number. A bit um, punkier, that, isn't it? The generation. Yeah. yeah. But it still goes for that kind of alt rock vocal. Yeah. It doesn't really work. It goes on forever. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was ending. I was like, finally, this is ending. There's still another minute of it left. Yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. Too fucking long. Uh, but, yeah. I, but yeah, but uh, up to this point, I would say for the most part, like, it's nothing uh, broken at this point. It's just a bad version of something that has been done far, far mm-hmm. better before. But it's not like, it's not like offensively bad at this point is it confessions is just a boring slow song with that kind of 90s industrial drum pattern not good not appalling and then you get glitter which sounds like ace of bass um but probably worse and this was a point where i was like oh man fuck now you're gonna really start fucking this record up and they do that's (sighs) what they do glitter is rubbish atrocious rubbish it couldn't it sounds so dated yeah it sounds so dated and it's weird because it sounds dated from a time that i sort of remember and i still listen to 90s stuff now it's like i went to the science museum a few years ago and they had a super nintendo and they had all like oh ye oldie stuff right look yeah. at all ye oldie stuff look here's a coin from like the fucking roman empire oh look here's a door from a, a bomb shelter in, in, the, in the second world war oh look here's a super nintendo and i was like oh i'm not that fucking old am i <laughs> you got a, you're putting a super nintendo next to a fucking penny farthing are you mad but yeah. this song makes me go oh wow i'm really old because listen to this this would have sounded like most other things when i was young and it now sounds like it's been dug up, like excavated by fucking Baldrick and like, <laughs> Time Team or something. Like it's so fucking. I think you dated. mean Tony it's... Robinson for sure. Yeah, yeah. Baldrick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Baldrick, uh, as his friends call it. Um, <laughs> um, it it's but a, yeah, it's, it's, it's mad. Appalling, it's this song. Terrible. It's a source of ballad, I suppose. Um, <laughs> it might be the the most dated thing. I, I, there's an argument saying it might be the most dated thing we've covered on this show. I think. Yeah. Um, and when you think we've covered song albums that came out in 
<laughs> Sam Morgan. William Shatner's the Transform Man. Sounds more contemporary than a Motley Crue song from 1997. Fucking 30 years later. And of course, this is the song which has the uh, infamous Let's Make a Baby Inside of You line. Yeah. Uh, this is, is fine. Not the worst, and not the worst lyrics on the album either, no, by the way. Not. Just no, it's yeah. not. No, definitely yeah. not. This is fine for yeah. now, but maybe let's make a baby inside of you. It's just the time we got to find. I want your name on my tattoo. You blow my mind, so tell me. I your want name to know. On my tattoo. <laughs> your name on my tattoo. No, I want your sense. name as a tattoo. I want your So I'm gonna get a tattoo and I want you to write your name over the top of that tattoo. <laughs> it's so appalling. Terrible. Um let's let's get through this shit, because all the rest of this is shit basically. Yeah. Anybody out there is about two minutes long, sounds like a sort of punky Motley Crue song, it's not really very good. Let us pray. It's got a new metal riff. Hello. Hello. Yeah. It's a little, little new metal riff. Nice to see a new metal riff creeping into a Motley Crue song. Hello. <laughs> yeah. They were paying slight bit of attention to what was actually going on at that actual time. They just were a bit too sort of chicken shit to actually fully commit to that and rip that off um then rip off what was popular sort of three years ago um, is, that, is that the song as well i think yeah i think it is this song which has the lyric she's a hiv vip hmm. what the fuck does that even mean well, uh, she's to- a very important member of the AIDS, AIDS community. I don't know. And uh, I think it might be this song. Maybe it might not. It turned your pleasures into pain. You made love. I gave you AIDS. Hmm. My pollution gives you cancer of the brain. Hmm. I felt like I had cancer of the brain listening to this record. But yeah. I, 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 I wished for it at certain <laughs> points, yeah. Um, Rocket Ship has got Nikki Six on vocals, and goodness me, it's boring. Just a boring acoustic wank fest that is mercifully brief. I, was, I would say it's got that on its on its side. It's it is brief. Uh, I, I was uh, I was surprised by Rocket Ship, and I was sort of so surprised by it that my surprise managed to last for the majority of the song. Which not that it's very long; it's like a couple of minutes, isn't it? But it's sort of an acoustic psychedelic sort of yeah. thing there's a couple of times on this album where they go into a sort of psychedelic sort of thing and I, they're just not very good at it i mean again it's just all like it's all very very style over substance it's just mm-hmm. not very well accomplished because they're not very good musicians or people so there you go no um a rat like me i believe was on a kerrang cd i think i remember hearing it and i don't know i'm pretty sure it was that one but i remember i've heard this one before and um it's sort of the sort of thing that towers of london would go this is too stupid isn't it we won't do this Uh, uh, can you smell sarcasm on my breath is the first (laughs) lyric again doesn't make any can you smell sarcasm you can't no no, you, can't you can't smell sarcasm. I'm a new age puppet strung out on death. Fuck off. Doesn't you are anything. appalling. You are there's appalling. No, there's no point getting to these lyrics, talking about these lyrics because we're about to get to something which would make everyone forget. But so oh, we've got shout the shout the devil 97, which is just shout the devil, but the singer can't hit those notes anymore. No. Um, so definitely worth having. But here we go. That, that, last... that, well, just very quick. That shout of the devil 97, like total waste of time. But we've we've done a few things where like there's been a re 
like uh, you know revisiting a song several years later blah 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 mm-hmm. and i think this one feels like the biggest waste of time because like the, it, it the guitars are a little bit heavier it's a little bit grungier i guess but other than that it's the same fucking song isn't it like it's same for exactly the same just, except vince neil is really and ca- really, really can't really sing. struggling to hit yeah his own he's, he's, he's struggling more on that song than he is with pretty much anything else on the record and he struggles yeah. with that whole fucking thing he that's abs- that's actually absolutely true and and kind of indicative of what a fucking piss poor vocalist he is really yeah but, there you go, yeah but the last song on the record here we go brandon tommy lee's first lead vocal all about his son oh this i'll tell you what renfrey this and little james by oasis in the same year spoiled weren't we in 1997 spoiled for mawkish over overly sentimental gack by the least talented members of incredibly overrated bands about their wholly unremarkable children back in 1997 weren't we we were oh. weren't they? the golden era for that wasn't it in, in, in and quite incredibly having heard little james and now having heard brandon i think tommy lee remarkably unbelievably against all the odds actually does a worse job than Liam Gallagher at paying tribute to his little boy. Oh, um, undoubtedly, yeah. And I yeah, said some pretty, yeah. pretty vociferous stuff about Liam Gallagher on this show before, but this is undeniably awful. I would also say, I think we've done the objective subjective thing, you know, we've overdone that anyway. But again, if you don't believe objectivity exists in music, mm. listen to Brandon. Yeah. Now, I'm going to play a little game um, with you. You can play at home as well if you would like to. Um, I recently have been watching the third series of the very, very excellent Statelet's Flats on Channel 4, uh, which is brilliantly, it's brilliantly, fantastic. brilliantly funny. And he sings a song about his newborn baby girl on the second e- episode of it, right? And I genuinely think the lyrics, which are written by a fictional stupid greek man with a very basic grasp of the english language are more profound than than brandon right so i'm going to read you the lyrics of both of them and in the end you can tell me which one you think makes less sense okay so this is dina by stath from stathlet's flats dina i'm gonna feed you gonna buy you an egg gonna mix that egg with egg with bread for your mouth for strength (laughs) provide for your life Gonna hand you my business, sorry that your mum's not my wife. Gonna feed you an egg and destroy anyone who touches your smile. Then I'm gonna raise you right, then I'm gonna raise you high and give you an egg in the sky. Got a new shop for the business, sorry about the hair inside. And if anyone tries to kill you, gonna end their life, gonna give you an egg tonight. (laughs) So that is meant to be funny, right? Yes, and it is. And it is funny, right? Brandon. (laughs) this is tommy lee's brandon not meant to be funny brandon you bring those tears into my eyes so well (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) you bring those tears into my eyes so well i've been waiting for this day so long brandon i love you you are the one brandon my son you run around and chase the clouds i only want you to be yourself Forget me not, you're all I've got. You are the one, Brandon, my son. Your mother gave birth to you with love inside. She had candlelight and songs of life. Brandon, I love you. I love you. I love her. 
she <laughs> oh, Brandon I love you I love her she is your mum <laughs> true love is ours nobody else I only want you to be yourself and when I'm gone don't cry for me we'll always be one you are my son you are the one you are the one <laughs> I genuinely think the Stath one is better oh, and yeah. more moving and it's meant to be awful. Yeah. It's meant... I, I cannot believe there's a stupider line that made me laugh more than I'm going to buy you an egg in the sky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? but, but Brandon, you bring those tears into my eyes so well. Oh, that and is... Uh, Brandon, <laughs> I love you. I love her. She is your mum. Your mother gave birth to you with love inside. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I mean fucking hell it's so bad it's, it's it's so so bad and it's just like him on the piano sounds like Beth by Kiss essentially it is fucking tr- just unbelievable I think Brandon. it is unbelievable I think hearing those lyrics being delivered in such a serious po-faced manner is what is just so atrocious about that isn't it stunning the the lack of uh, realization as to just how appalling you are i think this song is one of the most embarrassing things we've ever covered on, i do i honestly well, think the, the records if we were doing the top, top, oh, because of Crazy Frog and so much of Broken Side and some of the really bad. If I think if we're doing the, the top five worst songs, right? But you're only allowed to pick one song per artist. I think Brandon might be in the top two. Yeah. Or even three. Or three, two or three, I reckon. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, it, it's, hilarious like it is oh, i mean so... uh, we, we just laughed more at that than we laughed at what i think is probably the best the best sitcom of the last decade yeah and a really funny bit from it where he's like you know singing this stupid mawkish ridiculous song to his newborn daughter and it's really funny in the show brandon is funnier than that but it's not meant to be funny at all it is fucking stunning how bad it is it's absolutely stunning how bad it is yeah Yeah. fucking unbelievable um i mean i would say broadly when we come to rank it we'll do the aftermath in a minute but i would say broadly right this is a pretty nothing record and it often reminds you of what complete twats you are listening to but it ends so badly so very 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 badly that the first half i was like you know, look, I don't like Motley Crue, but again, objectively, and I think it does prove that, you know, we talk some serious shit about Motley Crue, and this is meant to be their worst album, and yet, I don't think this overall hits the heights of some of the very, very, very worst stuff that we've covered. No. Not at all. No, Which no, should no, go to show, good to, should, should go to show, like... The shit we've had the kind, to the kind to. of the kind of shit that we are delving into here is not like you know people are like oh fucking you know 
Maroon Five are the worst band ever, or mm. you know, Coldplay are the worst band ever. And it's like no, 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 no. Because no, no, I would no. used to would just happily have said that about Motley Crue before. They're the worst band ever. Then absolutely not the worst band ever. There is, you know, they. Although I am stunned by their popularity, yeah, they're maybe the worst big band ever, but. I am stunned by their popularity, but they are far from the worst band ever. Yeah, Motley yeah, Crue, yeah, yeah. even even at their like, I don't know if this is their worst, but it's pretty bad and it's pretty desperate. But a lot of it is just like, oh god, this is kind of lame. And then there's stuff like Glitter and Brandon, where you're just oh. like, oh my good god, yeah, that 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 stuff is is genuinely embarrassing. Um, I felt like, I mean, this did this this. The only reason why I think Generation Generation Swine is con- considered not as good as Doctor Feelgood is because Doctor Feelgood came in at a time where that stuff, like they were at the right, they were in the right place at the right time with that material. But in terms of like the actual songwriting and the way that the songs put together, I see very little difference between the two. Really, I th- I just think they're. A- appalling songwriters and appalling people and i just don't really want to listen to them and yet here i am um (laughs) but uh, so uh well go on what are you gonna say well i was gonna say you know i just i agree with you like there isn't actually there's a there's a there's a couple of embarrassing moments on this record but actually for the most part it's just pretty just was, naff, just crap. I was about to say middling grunge. It's probably <laughs> just just underneath middling grunge. But like, it, there's nothing massively offensive about it, bar the fact that like the lyrics are so pathetically awful, as in they're badly written. But there's nothing. I mean, you hear stuff like she's an HIV VIP, and you just go, eh. Like that just doesn't mean anything. It's just fucking nonsense. Um, just blurted out on a fucking song. Mm. It's just stupid. What yeah. a stupid band. Anyway, after the album was released, John Karabi, who we thought had left of his own accord, uh, decided to sue the band. Not because he wanted his name taken off the album for the songwriting <laughs> credits, which is... Which would have been why I would have do. done. But no, because he didn't receive royalties from his time in the band and he never got songwriting credits on this record. He filed a $4 million lawsuit and had his name added to a pair of songs on the album despite himself saying that he was responsible for over 80 percent of the material on the record um that's a pretty hefty jail sentence in my book mate i'd keep fucking shit with that if i were you why why would you want to be associated with this record <laughs> i don't know i don't know um pissed off by the lack of sales and the lack of success of the record motley crew tried to blame their label and walked away uh, from Electra records uh, Electra pointed out that they had actually paid quite a lot of money in promoting the album including getting them on the american music awards when they hadn't released any material for fucking ages and weren't really doing anything at that point um but yeah but instead they formed their own label and everything has come out on their own label ever since then do you know this Renfrey? do you know what the name of motley Crue's record label is no i do not okay their record label is called motley records yeah that's right motley records guess who's on this label motley Crue. Oh, on Motley Records? That's a surprise, isn't it? Well, how did you come up with this name, lads? How fucking ingenious of you. Beatles came up with Apple. You know, it's just... I don't know loads about Motley Crue, right? But I think you could call it, like, Records, Records, Records. Yeah. Or Shout at the Records. Yeah. Or, um, 
you know, too fast for love record. Do you know what I mean? Like you could call, there are loads, I think they even had a fucking record label back in in the early days. Like there are so many songs that you could just go, oh, well, we can call it that, that's got, you know, like Sunset Strip King, like Sunset Strip King's records or whatever, whatever like even that shit. But to just go, Mossy again, it's records. like asking, it's like asking your thick four-year-old nephew he goes, oh, we're making a new record label. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you think we should call it? What do you think we should call it, Brandon? What are your band called? Motley Crew. What about Motley Records? Oh, yeah, good idea. <laughs> good idea, Brandon. What a good idea. We might do that. You wouldn't do that. It's fucking the Rock Boys, isn't it? It's the Rock Boys all over again. <laughs> Captain Rock. Like, <laughs> it's Captain Rock and the Rock Boys, that. Mm, mm. Come up with something better than Motley Records. Motley Records. But we the, Motley Crew. But the, fucking... It, 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 it might seem like a small point uh, um, to focus on, but that just to me screams that they have no creative imagination whatsoever, really. I mean, it doesn't fucking matter. It's just a record label name. But uh, the fact that there's absolutely no creative imagination shown in any of the songs or the songwriting despite, either or the lyrics or anything. Despite Nicky Six probably thinking calling it Motley, Motley Records was like and when he thought of that he looked up into the sky and he imagined himself as fucking having just painted the Sistine Chapel <laughs> the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel um, so seven years uh, on from their greatest hit set they released in 1991 um, Motley Records released another greatest hit set in 1998 seven years later worth it in it for the songs on this record definitely it's just like Fuck we need man. to get a new we need to get, we need to get these fucking songs on a greatest hit step now that mm. has to happen um and of course as we all know from our previous broken records on it tommy lee would leave the band and form methods of mayhem in 1999 vince neil said all we got was a call from his attorney saying that he wasn't coming back he wasn't into rock and roll anymore he even said that rock is dead it all happened during a void in motley we weren't even rehearsing so it was no big deal i think i actually did use that quote in our episode on uh on methods of mayhem so if you want to go back and listen to that then you are very welcome to do so. He was replaced by former Ozzy Osbourne drummer Randy Castillo. I didn't actually know that. Um, I don't really remember that, I should say. Motley Crue released an album called New Tattoo in 2000. Kind of remember it coming out. Never heard it before. I doubt it's very good. Um, Randy Castillo actually died in 2002 and the band went on hiatus. Um, <clears throat> in 2003, this I did not know, right? Motley Crue released a box set called, I can't even believe the words that are about to come out of my mouth, Winfrey. Motley Crue released a box set of their back catalogue of like greatest hits and stuff called Music to Crash Your Car To, which even by Motley Crue standards seems to lack even the vaguest sense of self-awareness. I mean, that is like calling shot, like getting a John Lennon greatest hits and calling it shot by the fan like the greatest hits of john lennon choking yeah. on riffs the best of the bond scott acdc era the best drowning of in his shotgun drowning blues, in the best of nirvana yeah yeah drowning in hits the ultimate whitney houston collection <laughs> like but, but that's actually those artists dying like this is actually worse because this is him going like Haha, remember when i killed that bloke <laughs> that was good wasn't it I just what a pathetically insensitive thing to do, and I, I mean, I suppose the word sensitive feels like a weird 
were to bandy around these four individuals anyway but like just like that's just I mean I, I have no particular love for Hanoi Rocks or anything like that either. Michael Monroe the Michael singer Monroe, of Hanoi Rocks yeah, yeah, yeah. was very upset by that by all accounts oh really oh yes and I can imagine rightly so yeah absolutely it's just what an absolutely fucking like just class classless thing to do just like an absolute lack of class as a human being it's just a beyond dick move like and that's putting it that's putting it far too far too nicely i think it's just it's just a, a awful awful shitty thing to do it's fucking terrible uh and then the dirt came out and people started liking these cunts again Ugh. I mean, that was actually released in 2001. I think kind of particularly over here, it took a little while to gain this sort of track, traction. And they got, brought out another greatest hit set, which is the one that I bought. I think it was Red, White and Crew is the one that I oh, bought. Yeah, another yeah, greatest yeah. hit set. And there's a reformation with Tommy Lee. And a few years later, people, you know, post-new metal, rock and roll, the kind of classic era of rock and roll started to come back a little bit, didn't it? You know, I guess especially over here with like the darkness and the like. And Motley Crue were reborn. Mm. Great. Mm. Uh, Although that seems to have sort of disappeared and fucked off as well. It seems whenever they do come back, they come back for about six months and then everyone remembers, oh, actually, there's absolutely nothing to this band whatsoever. It's like, it's very cheap, very, very cheap thrills, which aren't particularly satisfying whatsoever. No, like really, really just, just absolute bum, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. just absolute fucking bum um and then uh the, they recorded again together on 2008 saints of los angeles that's the first time they'd recorded as a group since this record which i haven't heard but it's rubbish i'm sure <laughs> um and then they split up and they got back together and they split up and they did all that shit but anyway we should rank this record renfrey we should rank it um i'm looking at it and again, like I say, you know, I fucking hate Molly Crew. I think they're dog shit. I think they're shit people. And I think they're a shit band. And this is really just not a good record at all. Not a good record. But in the company that it is surrounding itself in, mm. it's some way away from being the worst. I mean, I'm going to say it straight away. It's better than Method. It's comfortably better than Methods of Mayhem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Way better than, way better than Methods of Mayhem. Mm. And I would say there's nothing on here that makes me go, ugh, lyrically. Well, Brandon does. But there's nothing that kind of is as morally reprehensible as a lot of the shit on, say, Louis the Fourteenth. Yes, exactly. Fear of a Dead Man, Uncle Cracker. Motley Crue have actually managed to make an album which, well, is, is offensive in a different way. It is like it's just overtly bad. disgustingly yeah. sentimental and self-important, yeah, and 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 you know, and wallowing in its own bored, fetid juices, fucking yeah, like faux depression. Um, but that's probably better than being like, "Whoa, I've shagged a load of girls," <laughs> <laughs> and then gave them VD. Um. Yeah, I was listening to this record and looking at the table um, and around about halfway through uh, the league table, that is, not the kind of yeah. like, I am the table. I wasn't looking at a table, but I was looking at the league table whilst listening to the record. And I kind of knew immediately that it wasn't going to get top 20 because 
our number 20 is theory of a dead man the truth is which mm-hmm. musically it's not a million miles away from this record at all um it's boring and lumpen and yada 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 i think the theory the, the that truth is record though has a lot of that misogynistic bullshit which uh motley crew sort of dealt with in the past which this record has it's not even misogynistic this record it's just baffling as a, as i mm. you know uh, she's a hiv vip it's just it's just like eh it, 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 I don't even find that offensive. It's just, it doesn't even make sense. Um, so I actually kind of knew straight away that I didn't think this was going to get top 20. That said, yeah. it's boring and it's ponderous and it's slow and the production is um, very rudimentary, I would mm-hmm. say. I don't think it's broken the production it's just very i mean it was interesting when i heard the first song i was like this sounds quite a bit like sex type thing by stone temple pilots as i've already mentioned did my usual geeky thing of a being them and the difference between um, i mean you know core was produced by brendan o'brien who is you know an amazing producer but the difference between sex type thing coming out of my speakers and find myself i think the first song on this album's called was just humongous and you know sex type thing had been recorded and released five years previous to this so really it should have been find myself which sounded so much better but you know so really i'm i'm kind of looking around i mean the boring stuff it's sort of megadeth well, super collider lincoln park one more light kind of it i i here's what i think right because all the way through it i was like hmm this is proper, like, Lenny Kravitz, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Black Flag. Oh, you're looking down there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I was like, it's boring, it's dumb, songs are quite bad, nothing's really going on. It's a very silly idea on their part. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I'm not livid about it. I just think it's kind of naff. No, right? it's just dull. Yeah. And I would look at shit like Super Collider and Chamber Music and, and One More Light and just be like, I mean, those songs on those records are like uh, incredibly badly written mm. and then you've got like christmas in the stars with start by mm. star wars where you just think like, this is just mental mm. um but then brandon came on oh right and brandon to me makes this worse than there is nothing as bad as brandon on chamber music super collider one more light christmas in the stars Famous first words of Eva Brother, Razor Light, Razor Light, Puddle of Mud Rediscovered, Dirty Vegas One, Streets to the Sky, We Met at Sea by the Pigeon Detectives, Baptism by Lenny Kravitz, or Love Beach by Emerson Lake and Palmer. None of those albums, there is not a single moment on any of those albums to me that comes close to being as horrible. Is that a word? Horrible. I've just had to invent, <laughs> had to invent a new word. To sum up how bad that is, horrible. I like it. Um, it works. It is unbelievable, Brandon. It is unbelievable. And I think that song alone, although it is completely terrible, completely terrible, it's probably not quite enough to get this very kind of below par, um, bandwagon hopping, nothing of a record into the top 20. Hmm. But it's certainly 
enough to get it. It it, it it's a lo- it's a fucking last minute winner, mm. but in the mm. opposite, like mm. it's a last minute own goal. Yeah, like a spectacular last minute own goal, Brandon. Yeah, because it is so bad. Yeah, I mean, I can't really remember much from One More Light or Super Collider or Chamber Music. All three of those albums, I think we all went. It's just bad. Mm. Like the songs mm. are bad. There are stupid decisions that are made on them. There are bad lyrics on all of them. You know, Definitely. Cold Chamber, some fucking mad shit that Des is coming up with. Really rudimentary riffs, like blah, 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 boring. The sort of things that you, you know, Megadeth, why are you doing country? Why are you getting fucking David Draymond to just go in the background of one of your songs? Why are you talking about like, the go- they took our jobs, all that shit. Why are you doing all that? <laughs> Um, one more light like absolutely we're going back to being heavy don't care oh alright we'll do a song with Stormzy and make a pop album you're not very good at that oh alright I'll just kill myself then um, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean oh dear <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but that's it that is essentially you know the, the trajectory isn't it um, it's one way of looking at the trajectory <laughs> it is one way of looking at it yeah um and it's you know it's 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 a it's a badly made record with bad songs and all three of them are badly made records with bad songs and some very silly ideas on them that's essentially what generation swine is but i think for the most part it is more successful than all three of them and then brandon comes along and then brandon there's nothing on any of those three albums that i just go holy fucking fuck holy fuck Brandon, you're gonna you've put this out, have you? You're yeah. happy with I love you. You are the one. I love her. She is your mum. You're happy with that. You're 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 happy with that, are you? You're gonna let other human beings hear are allowed to hear that, are they? Mm. You're gonna let other human beings hear that, mate. The lack of self awareness is astonishing, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Oh man, I do agree with you, but I mean, Brandon is awful. You think you think Brandon is so bad that it drags it up? Drags. It I up think or it's so it bad that I I think it takes it. I I'm I'm not going to put it above the truth is by theory of a dead man, which I think is endlessly, eye rollingly terrible pretty much yeah and i think then you get to 21 cold chamber chamber music like that, that little thing there chamber music megadeth and lincoln park i look at those three and i go it's sort of the same thing as generation swine and i think generally unbelievably i think generation swine is probably in the main more successful than those three records but i think it i just is. think but i just think brandon is so bad that it drags it down a few places i would be happy to put Generation Swine maybe just behind in, in gen, maybe just behind Puddle of Mud is where I would have thought it probably goes rediscovered by Puddle of Mud you take Brandon off I think it goes there you put Brandon on I think it fucking whacks it up a few places that's my thought basically mm, mm. because Brandon is like well we've said it haven't we it's 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 probably would be the Third, second or third worst song that we have ever covered on this show it's easily one of the worst songs that we've ever done yeah on this mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. um i mean i'm i'm kind of wondering uh 
it feels like the best place to put it would be behind well between Linkin Park One More Light and Christmas in the Stars uh Star Wars Christmas album because as you've pointed out for the most part this record is just about stro- like ever so slightly stronger than those records but then Brandon brings it down quite significantly i i would actually say glitter brings it down quite a Glit- bit yeah. i mean yeah yeah by the time you get to the end of the album like, all you can think of is brandon because fucking hell it's so awful but but glitter pr- previous to that is pretty fucking awful as well on yeah, any glitter and brandon are the two worst songs on it by yeah. some distance on any other broken record we would have gone into glitter like way more than we have on, on this but we both knew oh we've got brandon coming up so we need to go yeah. in on all of that glitter is like the seven seven bombings and brandon is like nine eleven. Oh, good i like it when you bring up terrorist atrocities well <laughs> i'm just saying that, look look they're both that what i'm saying is they are both absolutely dreadful but one will be sort of broadly around the world the after effects will be felt more okay brand, brandon <laughs> Brandon is not Brandon is nine eleven, right? Okay, good. Um, and glitter is seven seven bombings. That's what I think. So you're saying uh, uh, two songs on here attributing them to terrorist atrocities, and yet it's not even going to get into the top twenty of this uh, of this list. This is what we do for you people. If it, if it was those two songs alone, it would be top five. Mm, mm, Probably top. Mm. Yeah, top definitely top five. I don't think glitter's top five. Brandon is, I mean, like I've already said, and Brandon is, uh, there aren't words. I'm struggling. I'm kind of reaching around in the recesses of my mind to adequately describe what Brandon is. Because I don't actually, I I, I can't really even describe. I'm loath to tell people to go and listen to it because it is so staggeringly awful be like saying go and watch a snuff movie because you, you do you know what i mean like you'd go like, oh god i'm not sure i want to do that like you don't really want to watch you don't really want to watch that you don't really want to listen to brandon well it's just the, most, I it's the cannot, most insipid I, syrupy it's it's kind of like an insipid syrupy ballad but to your child isn't it and it's mm. it's like a clinton cards clinton cards written by Someone. A frog. <laughs> a frog. <laughs> that was less offensive than what I was thinking. Let's do that. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's... It's it, it, it's that monkey typewriter thing. Like, eventually, if you yeah. put the monkeys in, they'll get... But you'd be waiting a long time for the works of Shakespeare. Say you wait 20 years to get the works of Shakespeare. This is what they came up with after about, like, half an hour. Yeah, you make my eyes cry so well, or whatever the fuck that lyric is. Yeah. I mean, fucking atrocious. <laughs> you make you bring the tears so well. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Um, it's so awful. I, musically, it's it's so it's so 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 awful. I think that I'm looking I'm looking at this and I'm kind of like, what would I rather re-listen to, Generation Swine or Super Collider by Megadeth? And you know what? I think just i'd rather re-listen to generation swine and people might be surprised i would as well yeah Yeah. the thing is i would as well yeah but then when i got to brandon i would go oh my god do you know and you i think i'd listen to super collider and i would be like oh this is oh god pretty much the whole way through you'd be going oh fucking hell yeah but at no point would you just go 
Well, I have to set fire to myself. <laughs> I have to. Now I've heard this. I have to go outside and pour petrol over myself, and I have to set fire to myself because I've heard Brandon. It's like it's it's there's, there's, it's the equivalent of the video from The Ring. This song. I have to go. I have to kill myself. Now I've heard Brandon. I have to. I can't live on this planet anymore mm. with the person that wrote Brandon. I don't want to. I well, can't. Some people on Twitter will be happy about that. So that's they what. will. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> right. And it has to be really long and painful as well. I want. I think if you were on fire and you were burning to death in silence, that would be better than listening to Brandon in a comfy, like in a comfy chair, <laughs> having your feet massaged. It's so bad. It's so bad. It is pretty bad. Um, I think you're going to be encouraging people to listen to this song now because people are going to want to hear it for themselves. I, 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 I mean, you know what? I think you'll... F- no, come on. I actually go, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's actually just... It's unbelievable is what it is. It's so... It's, yeah. it's fucking... You know, it's fucking hilarious. The lyrics are fucking hilarious. The yeah. music is... It's just, it's just. You, you think, how is this not a joke? How is this not a joke? Yeah, it's astonishing. It's just, it, it's, uh, uh, yeah, an astonishing lack of self awareness. As, as we already oh, said, I was about to say, the the lack of self awareness mm. is maddening. Mm. I mean, look, if you want to put it below Linkin Park's One More Light, I think it's broadly a overall a better record. But then I don't know. I mean, you're only as strong as your weakest link. They say, don't they? Yeah, so it's it's, it's just something like that. Um, I don't. I don't it, it, I, Brandon is awful, but but the majority of this record just makes me feel very little at all, which you know is kind of which I, as you correctly pointed out, I think is you know around the Amson Lake and Palmer, Lenny Kravitz, Pigeon Detectives. That's twenty nine, thirty, thirty one. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like Brandon is already bringing it up to your Linkin Parks and your Meganess and your Coal Chambers because, do you, do you see what yeah. I'm saying? So, so that's why I feel like, you know, number 24 between Linkin Park and the Christmas in the Star Star Wars album seems like an apt place Okay, fine. I've, I've put it there because I don't want to argue anymore and you know I've got to make a phone call. I don't, I don't think uh, it was an six argument. Six minutes ago. Uh, but no, no, no. I, well, I was saying, I wasn't really going to... Anyway, I'm going to pick one out and then I've got to go. Uh, all right, there you go. Motley Crue's Generation Swine goes in above One More Light by Linkin Park and above, below Christmas in the Stars by Star Wars. That is not a place it should need to be mm-hmm. or anyone would want to be. Oh, for fuck's sake, more of this crap. Um, we've got a, there's a funny thing that happens a lot on this show where you pick something and you go, oh, I'm really glad I don't have to listen to that anymore. And then I pick something basically the same thing out next week. Remember when we had fucking, we've had Mr. Blobby and Crazy Frog next to each yeah, other. We had yeah. Broken Side and Blood on the Dance Floor next to each other. We now have Motley Crue and Arsehole by Gene Simmons next to each other oh. next week. Wicked. So we're going to be talking about more of this shit next week. Gene Simmons, Arsehole, uh, or Asshole, as it is said on um, by him. Probably. Very, very uh, apt title. Very apt title. So uh, we'll be back next week doing that. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you very soon. Cheers. <laughs>